What did your neighbor say? Beats me. <laughs> what do you think? How do we put this stuff on? Allie. Prayerfully. Good. Good. Okay. What else? How do we put this stuff on? One leg at a time. <laughs> or at least one belt and one shield. And, yeah. Andrew. Intentionally. I like that. Donna? I heard Karen before we go into battle. And when are we in battle, by the way? Which probably means that we should keep it on. Yeah. What else? Anybody else have any thoughts? Karen? Okay. Some of we husbands have the same problems. <laughs> yeah, sweet of you. Sweet of you to avoid that. Okay. 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 Good, good, good. You know, Paul said to the Colossians in chapter 3, he said, to clothe yourselves. Then he goes on to talk about clothing yourselves in, in, in goodness compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And, and that phrase in Colossians 3, I think it starts about verse 12, he, it's, it's, a, it's a therefore phrase. And so, therefore, always again, tying us back to what's been said before, and Paul has been talking about what God has done for us in Christ. Because God has done this for you in Christ, he says, therefore, clothe yourselves. It's the same kind of language that he's using here. And what have we talked about over and over and over again in Ephesians? If we sum up Ephesians in a sentence, the theme of Ephesians is what? God's people living in response to God's amazing grace. As if it's more than just a song, it's actually something that has touched and changed our lives. Therefore, as a result of God's amazing grace, our response needs to be to dress ourselves, same language, in the armor of God, recognizing that it's God's armor, and so we need to be conscious that we are clothed in it on a regular basis. I've decided that that the clearest and most simple definition of what it means to be a Christian is a person who lives a daily whole life response to God's amazing grace in Christ Jesus. Daily whole life. I recognize it. I think about it. I'm intentional about responding to it. And so Paul's point is this. Be mindful every day of what God has done for you in Christ. And think about these pieces of armor and make sure that they are present. It's, it's medical, metaphorical language. We understand that. But we need to be sure that we are thinking intentionally, consciously thinking about these things as we confront temptation every day in a bazillion different forms. Be mindful of what God has done for you in Christ and be ready for the schemes of the enemy. Every day, remember that. Put on your armor, never take it off. Be a soldier that is always on duty and ready for action. Be aware, be intentional. Make this a part of your everyday routine. How do we remember things that are important? 
Sometimes we've just done them so much they become habit. Some of us have brains that just don't work that well, and so we use planners. Or we have our phones with you know, daily schedules and iPad kinds of, of applications. Whatever it takes, get it into your daily routine. Every day, a part of your priority in life as God's soldier is to have his armor on. And to have his armor on is to be, to be thinking about that armor. The pieces of the armor that, that make us prepared for the attacks of the enemy. Putting on the armor of God is, is as essential as, as eating each day, as, as caring for our kids, as, as just putting on your regular clothing and, and getting to work on time. It is that critical. Remember, what are the stakes God's honor and reputation through our lives. It's not about us. It's about Him. It's about the one who has saved us by His amazing grace. So so make a note of this this morning. This is the only time that I will ever encourage you to embrace a name it and claim it practice of faith, okay? It's the only time you'll ever hear these words from my mouth. But every day, I think we ought to, at some place in our schedule, along with all the other important things, rehearse the pieces of the armor and what they stand for, what they remind us of, God's power and God's grace and what He's done in our lives. And remember that it's His armor for us. Rehearse those pieces, name those pieces, claim those pieces for yourself. We started with the belt of truth last Sunday. Remember, this is the truth of who God is, who he has revealed himself to be in his word. And it's the belief in his truthfulness that how God says life should be lived is really the way that life should be lived. We re- we, we've got to remember that there's nothing that the enemy wants more than for us as as God's people, to doubt his character, to doubt his goodness, to doubt that that what he says is true, to doubt his integrity. We must keep the belt of truth firmly in place. It's truth about who God is. And the belt of truth, we learned, holds up the breastplate of righteousness. We said that's the righteousness of Christ. We don't have righteousness of our own. Who are we kidding? Christ is has become our righteousness, Paul said to the Romans, which is what we need to be reminded of when the enemy assaults us with all kinds of of doubts and concerns. And I think primarily because either we fail or we don't have doubts and concerns because we think we're doing okay. We need to remember that that both of those extremes are, are a lie. We need to remember that it's the righteousness of Christ that now defines us as the people of God. So when the enemy whispers in your ear that you're a failure because, yeah, you've blown it again, or he whispers in your ear that you're doing a great job of living for Christ, our response is, no, no, I'm not. You're a liar. That's what you do. You lie to me all the time. I'm not a failure, nor am I a success. I am quite simply a child of God. I'm a child of God and I am made so and sustained by the righteousness of my Lord Jesus. Period. 
I am who I am in Christ. No more, no less. Because of Jesus, because of his love and sacrifice for me, I am loved for eternity by God. I am his child of great worth because of my Savior. So just go back to hell where you belong, you stinking liar. Something that effect would do, okay? It's it's real. The next piece of armor is the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I'm going to skip over that and come to the end because that's going to prepare us to conclude our study in Ephesians, not next Sunday, but, but Sunday after. So let me skip that one for just a moment, come back to it with just a comment or two at the end. Following that is the shield of faith. I love this one. Paul would have had in mind the shield of the Roman soldier. He would have seen him all over every day in the city of Rome. Um, Probably a, a pretty large shield, uh, somewhere in the vicinity of, of, of four to five feet tall, uh, two and a half feet wide. Uh, most of them were, because it was lighter and more useful in battle, they were, they were wood with leather stretched over them very tightly, metal sometimes around the edges to secure that leather. And, and when they were soaked in water, they became a wonderful defense against flaming arrows. They hit the shield and the arrows went out. Now, here's what I want you to think about for a minute. Just guess how these shields were most effective in protecting the soldiers. Think about the movies that you've seen, okay? How do the soldiers use their shields? Have you seen it? They got behind them for sure. And then what did they do? They gathered together. You see where this is going? That's what Paul has in mind here. This is not the individual out there with his sword slaying the dragons. That's ridiculous. Paul has an image here of the Roman soldiers linked side by side, packed in together, shields overlapping, kneeling down behind those shields, and and really a fairly impenetrable force. The truth, the truth here is that there is strength in numbers, my brothers and sisters. And this may be one of the most difficult truths for us to get through our individualistic, self-made, I'll pull myself up by my own bootstraps, American mindset. It's absurd. We need to think that we're in this battle with others. The enemy wants us to think that we're in it alone. Boy, there's another lie. God does not intend for us to face the fierce assaults of the enemy alone. And now there are times that, that, that we will. But we need to remember, I don't have to face this alone. I've got an army of folks that are with me in this. Past, present, future. In fact, right here in this place that we call Applewood Community Church, who hold to the faith. And that's important to understand. Paul is not advocating here that the shield of faith is our personal faith. If I just believe hard enough, I'm going to be protected. That just puts it back on us and makes it about us again. That's not what it is. He's talking about the faith. He is talking about the the truth of what God has done for us and for all of his people through all of the ages in Christ. That we conquer evil because Christ has conquered evil. Because Christ has conquered sin and death and by putting our faith in Him, which is the faith of the church universal, we are kept safe from the enemy. Historians tell us that those shields 
were not just defensive, although primarily they were. They were also offensive as well. A group of soldiers with their shields linked together and pushing forward could push right through the ranks of the enemy. Wow, I love that. I love that. That we band together and we push together through the ranks of the enemy. Oh man, wouldn't it be cool if we could begin to, uh, to realize that, that, that we are in this battle, not alone, but with others. The helmet of salvation. This, I think, has a twofold significance. First, of course, the helmet is the protector of our head. It's the protector of our brain. That's where everything happens. To wear the helmet of salvation, that's important. It's the helmet of salvation. Is a reminder that we're not battling the enemy for our salvation. We're battling the enemy because of our salvation. It's because we're followers of Jesus that we're in this battle. It's because we're followers of Jesus that the enemy is scheming against us. Because followers of Jesus bring glory to God by the lives that they live. You've probably heard me say that before. Okay. Remember, the enemy hates our God. And he's going to use us to get at God. Always looking for a way to get at his people. So that there's opportunity to dishonor God. And the other thing to remember about the helmet is that it's a quick way in the battlefield to see who is on your side. It's an identifier. Because our helmets have a cross on them. It's a helmet of salvation. And it's the cross that secured our salvation. It's nice to know that there are others who are standing for the same thing because they're wearing a helmet with a cross on it. And they too realize that, that we're in it together. The sword of the Spirit. It's an interesting one. Is the Word of God. Now, Paul probably didn't have in mind the Bible as we know it. The Bible as we know it wasn't complete in Paul's day. The word that he uses here is one that's often used as proclamation of the gospel. The proclamation of what God has said and done in Christ to secure our salvation. Our sword is something that is used by the Spirit to bring to life the truth and the reality in us of what God has done for us in Christ. Do you see? So that when the enemy attacks, the Spirit brings to life the truth of the gospel, life change in Jesus, victory in Jesus, so that we are reminded that the victory has been secured for us because of God's grace in Christ. And suddenly, the sword is, is another defensive weapon. And that's what's interesting about this whole text. That's, that's where it goes. It's not something that we use to slice and dice. You know, we sometimes want to use God's word to just whack people over the head, to, to, to bang the truth into them. Oh yeah, but that's right. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. So maybe that's not a good use of the Bible. So, no, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a defensive weapon that Paul has in mind here. Something that the Spirit uses to empower us to stand strong against the lies of the enemy. The fitted feet, that one that I, 
that I've passed over. The fitted feet. Those feet that are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. What kind of a gospel is it? Gospel of peace. Isn't that interesting? In this passage on war, in this passage on spiritual armor, our feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now here's the other thing that that flows out of this passage. Paul uses the word stand three times. Stand firm. Put the armor of God on so that you can stand firm. And then when you have stood, stand, stand, stand. The idea that Paul is suggesting here is that God's people are going to stand strong against the forces of the enemy. There's not a call to attack the forces of the enemy here. I'm not exactly sure how you do that until we get to the end, and we'll, we'll tie this up in our conclusion when we talk about Paul's words regarding prayer. Because here's what happens. We've heard Paul say that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Tell me again, what's flesh and blood? people. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, I think I know the exception in my life. (laughs) I do. I got a whole list of exceptions. But what I have to do is I have to lay on top of that list what Paul says our battle is not against flesh and blood. Because what we will do subtly if we're not intentional about remembering what this armor is every day and having it in our minds, and putting it on in the sense that, okay, I'm ready for the purpose that this armor suits me for, and that is attacks from the enemy, schemes from the enemy. Now, here's the thing. Does the enemy use people? All the time. All the time. The enemy uses people to get at us, to push our buttons, to just get in there where where he knows we're vulnerable. And what do we do? We respond against people as if they are the enemy. And the scripture says they're never the enemy. And in fact, to the contrary, the scripture tells us that people are the objects of God's love. People are the objects of God's grace. People are the reason that Christ went to the cross. Christ went to the cross for his enemies. So that means that they're not mine. They're not yours. He took care of that problem on the cross. It is is a gospel of peace that we as the people of God live with. Praise team, why don't you come on up and let me just make a couple more comments and then we'll close for this morning, wrap up in, uh, in two Sundays together. The word that Paul uses here for readiness is a word that pertains to education for life. Paul wants the Ephesians and he wants us to understand that the peace we have with God, that's, that's the theme of the gospel. 
peace we have with God, that Christ has become our peace, should permeate all of our lives. Everything that we do, everything that we say, so that in every situation, we stand for peace in the presence of those whom the enemy wants to use. It's, it's, it's kind of a fascinating thing to me as I thought about this text. Well, you know, these are, all, these are all pieces of the armor that we use against the schemes of the enemy, but we're not called to make peace with the enemy. We're called to make peace throughout Scripture with people. And so the only way that we can make sense of what Paul is saying here is that in those times when the enemy uses people to get at us, our response is to be a people of peace. To respond as Christ responded to those who hated him. Be a people of peace. Have our feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace so that we stand, so that we stand as Jesus stood in the face of evil and insults and anger and persecution and injustice and things that are unfair and on and on and on the list goes. The Spirit of God fits us with the ability to stand for peace when Everything else says fight and respond. Amen?